Today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence he will arise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or, if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, friends. Can you hear me? All right, amen, amen. Praise God for working Mike. Hey, last week we heard a powerful sermon about the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer. Jesus' disciples wanted to know how to pray as his true disciples, distinguishing them as real followers of the Jesus way. This week, we get to pick up in what seems like a continuation of what was being taught in the Lord's or disciples' prayer with what is a real, down-to-earth teaching on the nature of God and how we should respond in prayer to that truth. So with that being said, I'm excited. Are you guys excited, church? That being said, I just want to begin by praying Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. You want to pray with me? Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Amen. Let's dive into this teaching. This one teaching from Jesus on prayer is broken into three parts that move us to the same point. The point I'm just going to give you from the front is that God is generous and longs to pour out blessings from on high, mainly the Holy Spirit in context. And so therefore, and so therefore he is calling, he is calling us, to pray, us to pray and to pray persistently, freely, even shamelessly, even as our privilege as disciples of Jesus Christ. See, the first part of this teaching is a parable in verses 5 through 8. 
which Jesus told to get the listener to hear in the story form so that they needed to respond to this story form in a way that understood that Jesus was really generous, that the disciples would hear the generous nature of God and and therefore would persist in seeking him. Here's the setting. There are two friends, and they are both humans. Not us and God, but two people. Two friends. I'm explaining what that means here in a second. What Jesus is doing here is appealing to a common hospitality rule in their days. To make the point that what we do begrudgingly, God will do abundantly. It's a parable of contrasts of sorts. Meaning all this ultimately is going to point to how much more willing God is than us to answer our prayers. Isn't that good news, church? How much more is God willing to answer our prayers? Why do I say this? Let's read verses 5 through 6. He says, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey And I have nothing to set before him. You see, in those days, folks would be responsible for a friend if they traveled to your crib to feed that person on their journey. No matter the time or the season, they took care of them. It wasn't the traveler's responsibility. It was the homeowner's responsibility. They cared deeply about hospitality. And if they didn't have it, a good host, a friend, was going to find someone who did and go to the community for help. And this friend was persistent. He was shameless in it and unapologetically going to go to a friend to help him with his need. Man, that society was different. That would be a really dope society, right, church? But it'd be really tough on the flesh too, huh? Have you ever had a friend come over at night and on your door late at night, midnight? I have. I've had it happen to me several times. I have a particular youth in my head right now that I'm thinking of. Come over and ask for some food. Or ride. You don't understand. You don't understand how much my flesh hurt in that moment. <laughs> you just don't get it. I was like, no, I'm trying to go to sleep, brother. What you doing at my house? That was hard when it was just Caitlin and I. You remember that, Caitlin? Remember them? That was hard. I was like, babe, I got to go. I got to leave you. We're supposed to be hanging out. We're supposed to be eating something. I don't know if we're eating at midnight, but maybe some ice cream or something. I don't know. It's inconvenient at times. But that would be much harder with children. You see, verse 7 says, and he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot give you 
get up and give you anything. See, sometimes in Palestinian culture, the whole house would sleep in one bedroom. No indication is made of whether this man is poor or not. But what is told is that the parents lived in the same room as the kids. God bless their hearts. If you've ever slept in the same rooms as your little ones, the last thing you want is for them to wake up after you done put them down to sleep. I might be speaking from experience up here. Dude is basically saying, go away, homeboy. Don't you see my kids asleep in my guy? I know you're just asking for daily bread for your friend, a night's meal. But, you know, I, if, if I got to open up that kitchen cabinet, Tyrell, you know, that thing squeaks. You've been in my house all the time. It's going to squeak. And if I open that door up, all the kids is waking up. And wifey will not be happy, fam. Come back in the morning. He could fast until then. Plus, I've been reading where helping hurts and learning about boundaries. That emergency you got right there, that ain't my emergency. Uh-oh. Sound familiar? Again, what Jesus is not doing is equating this friend in the house to God in the relationship to the way that God responds to us when we come to him in prayer. Jesus is actually asking a rhetorical question. Which of you... Invoking the imagination of the hearer, as Joel B. Green, a New Testament scholar, says, might have been phrasing it like this. Can you imagine a friend not willing to help you fulfill the duty of hospitality? The answer to this question for them would, of course, been no. Meaning everyone knew the implied answer to this teaching was No. So Jesus continues, and here's the punchline in verse 8. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, everybody say impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And there is the jewel of Jesus' first saying. Because of his impudence. Which, again, the word in Greek, anadeia, could be used as persistence or shamelessness. Here's the point. You guys ready for the point? Jesus was saying that his prayer was not just answered because he was a friend, but because of his shameless persistence. The brother wore him down. The brother wore him down. 
The shameless man received what he needed from the friend he needed it from. The point is, God is nothing like that man. But you need to pray. The need is not on God's side. God is consistent in character as a generous father. But we need to persist in prayer. Never stop praying. Pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says. If you can move the heart of a friend to give a good thing due to your persistence, don't you think that your Father in heaven wants to give you more when you seek him? That's what Jesus is trying to say to you today. God is so much more willing than this friend you see. And we will continue to see that as we move through this text. So Jesus continues with another saying that connects the first parable to the second in verses 9 through 10. And there are two focuses. Verse 9 says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks It will be open. Two things. Jesus wants us to persist in prayer to our Father. And secondly, Jesus assures that it will be heard. For everyone who asks, seeks, and knocks, will receive. What does this mean? He is not saying... Ask in whatever way and however you want to. In context, it has already been said by Jesus that it is for your needs. But what Jesus is saying is that everyone who asks, seeks, and knocks will meet a generous father on the other side who knows exactly the good things you need and will give it to you. I'm trying to get y'all to see this, how wonderful this is. Y'all seeing this? God is a generous God. But it is conditional. What do I mean by that? It's for those who ask. It's for those who seek. It is for those who knock that find God. But it is also universal in scope. Meaning it's not just for the Jew, but God has given access to the whole world to know Yahweh through prayer as Father if they are willing to ask and seek and knock. Not just the priest or the pastor up here, but everyone who is willing to be a disciple of Jesus and be adopted into God's family can receive the promise of answered prayers for your needs and the benefits of being a child of God. That's good news. That's good news, church family. That means you and I can know the creator God as father. No matter our heritage, race, color, gender, we can all have access to pray to him directly. And not only that, but we have assurance of answer prayer. Church family, if I had to 
If I, had a, if I had a church, we'd be dancing up in here today. We, hey, listen, I'm, I, want, I need you to get up in this with me. I need you to get up in me. Because this is, this is beautiful news. This is beautiful news that God is a generous father. And many of us know how this happened. It is through Jesus whose death tore the veil in the most holy of holy places in the temple of God, which was a special place that was only for the extra special priests folk to enter in or you would die going in there. It was also a place that if you came correct and you're one of those extra special folk, you would not only in fact not die, but you'd be able to hear the voice of God. See, when Jesus died, that veil was torn and split. Now everyone in Christ is invited through Jesus to receive access to the most holy of holy places. And now we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Who made us worthy to go into that place and pray to our Father in heaven. You know, Jesus... Is a better friend than the man who went at midnight to go get food for his friend. And he didn't even care about the shame. Our Lord went all the way to the cross to procure that food for us. That's good news for those who believe. Amen, church? But it makes me sad a little bit when I think about so many people who do not have this assurance in our community. But one thing I was excited about this week and I was praying about was that I was praising God that we have so many who are taking on their new extra special priestly role that they got in Jesus. And are being hospitable and caring for a friend and praying for them. We got Jordan, we got Kent, we got Gina, Amada, and Raul leading prayer nights and interceding on the behalf of lost people. But man, we got to keep telling people, telling lost people about how awesome their lives could be if only they would take Jesus up on his offer to ask, to seek. To knock. Yes, it's going to be awesome. Costly. Yes. Hard. Yes. But so awesome and worth it. Let's tell people about Jesus, church. Let's keep going. You want to keep going? Let's keep going and telling people about the God who called us to himself. And has given us good gifts. We're going to keep on seeing that here in a second. Finally, Jesus concludes his teaching on prayer to his disciples by asking them to consider another parable which reveals the overabundant, generous nature of the Father. Verses 11 through 13 is what we're going to be focusing on for this last part. He starts his parable by saying in verses 11 and 12 in particular, What father among you? If his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, 
will give him a scorpion. Friends, you can talk to me with this. Would you give your kids a snake or a scorpion when he's asking for something to eat or she's asking for something to eat? Would you do that? If you would, I might call child protection on you. No, no, yeah, well, I, I would actually. <laughs> I was going to say I'm just playing, but actually I probably wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't do that. I know you. I've seen you take care of your kids and family members. Many of you are great aunties and uncles if you don't have biological kids yourself or foster parents. I know you don't treat your kids like that. It's a universal no, right? If your kids are asking for a blessing from you, you are not going to turn around and give them two things that would be harmful to them. That is why Jesus says next is so important to us to ground us when we think about praying in general and doing our part in prayer and persistently at that. Because God is not withholding the good. He is not like the friend, not trying to get up out of bed. If you seek him, you will find him. He's not going to. God is just waiting to pour out good gifts on you. Again, not saying some prosperity gospel. God is no genie. But instead, Jesus is calling us to know God as a giving father, a generous father. So we can pray trusting that God is a good and generous father. Now, most of us need our, our code rewritten up in here about God. Some need some reprogramming up in here, including me. Because maybe you're somebody in this room and your father was absent. So you hear, Father in heaven, in the Bible, and you go, I do not compute. My father was not there to give me any good gifts. Maybe God is just like my God. Excuse me, God is just like my father who left me. If that's you today, know that Father is not like that. He's not like that. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, one in every four kids in America are living without the father in their home. That's approximately 18.4 million kids with no daddy in the homes. Fathers, I'm speak to you right now. That is why it is so important for you to keep going, empty nesters included. Don't you quit on your family. Don't you quit. It's tough. I know. Sleepless nights. 
kids throwing up everywhere on the floor. Hard things. Discipline issues. It's tough. But God is with you. And it's for you. And fathers, a lot of how we think about our father in heaven, for good or for bad, stems from how we were treated by our earthly fathers. Ask any therapist or pastor that. Fathers, it is a vital vocation. But others might need some rewinding in, in our heads because our father, our mother, our boss, or any authority figure was always withholding or angry at you because you asked for something because of X, Y, Z reason. They were angry with you. So we presume that God is that way too. But here's the good news. We are evil and we get how to give good things. But God ain't evil at all. So how much more does he give good things? Church, did you hear that? How much more does God want to give good things? Church, do you hear that? Because sometimes we need to re- repeat that. I'm thinking about Israel. Hear, oh Israel, your God is one. They repeated the Shema. Hey, we need to hear it again. Here we, here we go. Here we go. Your God is good. Everybody say, God is good. God. There's no evil in him at all. Okay? Not a single bit. And God... Our God longs to give good things. Church, do you believe that? There's a lie on God's name right now going around. That God does not care for you and your community. There's a lie floating around in someone's head here today. That God does not want to hear you because you are too big of a sinner or too much of a failure. I struggle with that. But that can be further from the truth. We should stop the cap that is coming from Satan right now. Tell him and his crew. Ain't nothing but some liars. Amen, Morgan Crane. Amen. The father in heaven is just different, y'all. He's built different than the fathers that we might have had. Here are three non-exhaustive ways he is different than what we might have seen in our parents. And this is super related to the way that we approach prayer. One, God is always there. One of his greatest qualities is that he is omnipresent. And therefore he is Hearing your prayers. He is able to hear your prayers. He is there answering your prayers in a million different ways. But you know what? Oftentimes, we're just not trained to see it. Maybe we're blinded by sin. The sin that we've been liberated from. But God... But God It's always there. He's hearing our prayers. Number two, God does not withhold the good. God 
may withhold, but not the good stuff, as God is sovereign and he knows what is best for us. If you don't have it, that's okay. Maybe you don't need it. Ever thought about that? Maybe you don't need that thing that you thought you need. Maybe that good thing maybe might not be good for you. Mm. Do you trust God like that? If you struggle to trust God, the good news is that Jesus died on the cross and resurrected from the grave so that we may trust God. And it's giving us that same resurrection power that beat death so we can see him and what God is doing rightly in our lives. And number three, God loves to answer prayers. Most of the time, we just start praying for what we think we need. And sometimes those prayers aren't answered. And then we wonder, what's going on? But if we pray something and it's withheld, keep on praying. And if it doesn't come, then we have to trust God is withholding for our good. Friends, have you ever prayed and you got to know? And years later, you were thankful to the God, to God for that. Most of those, if I, 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 I'm guessing right now, a lot of those were connected to that boy or girl or something like that that you were really, God, what? please give me that. I would just be complete. But, but then you look back later, that, that person's probably great. Not hating on that person. Probably great. But it wasn't good for you. And then you look back later and praise the Lord. Thank you, Caitlin. I'm glad God answered that prayer. That's the prayer I'm excited about. Yay! God gave me Caitlin. So much better. But it gets real, though, when you talk about sickness and illness, unfulfilled longings, thorns in the flesh. Is God withholding the good? What is the good Jesus is referring to here? I believe the good is being answered by Jesus in the context of our text. Verse 13 says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, to those who ask Him? You see, in this text, the ultimate good is the Holy Spirit. Friends, this is not a prosperity gospel message. Have you ever noticed that the rain seems to fall on the righteous, the just, and the unrighteous, and the unjust? Material blessings on the just and the unjust. I was reading in Kings, and Solomon was bestowed with all kinds 
of physical and material blessings. But those things crushed him, and he didn't finish well. But what is promised here is that God is going to give us the Holy Spirit, which cannot be taken away, is given freely and abundantly, which is God himself. And if you got God in you, the Holy Spirit, then you Gucci in whatever season, the good and the bad. Because the Holy Spirit is a down payment of things to come, is a guarantee in which all our hopes hinge. And our hope is not wishy-washy. It is the assurance of the things to come, where moth and rust do not destroy, Jesus says, where all things are set right. Sickness and bad health are no longer a thing. Our flesh is KO'd. In fact, I think most people, their deepest longings and prayers are for God to change them from the inside out. And we struggle wondering if God really wants to change us or if he really just wants to leave us in the terrible state that we're in. But with this teaching, hear me, church, with this teaching, the answer is resoundingly no. God wants to give good things and he longs to give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Church, we need to put some respect on God's name for giving himself to us. What a precious gift it is. The Holy Spirit. Church, it is finished. It is done. We already have all that we need. Even death itself has lost its sting. And we are secure that we can approach God in freedom and pray boldly, shameless and persistent prayers. And we can keep on asking. And we can keep on seeking. And we can keep on knocking because we have been adopted as his children. Church family, we are eating omelets, smoked salmon, and fried catfish. Friends, I, I don't even like fish. I'm allergic, but even I know, even I know, fried kiss, catfish to my family is, mm, that's where it's at, boy. Some salmon and stuff. God is our Father. Do you believe that, church? He is only shelling out the good to us. Will you be like the kind of person who realizes what God is like and come to our Father in prayer? Will you ask Him? Will you seek? Will you knock? In response to the character and nature of our Father. It's guaranteed that he will respond because of the work of Jesus on the cross and the sealing of the Holy Spirit. We now get more than a begrudging man on the other side of that door when we come to our Father for our needs. Friends, when you come to that door late at night, participating with God in prayer from his gracious invitation to persist in it, 
The one who will answer is the one who never sleeps nor slumbers and has unlimited amounts of energy. So he's not concerned about the kids waking up at night. God wants you to come to him. Wants you to find him. Wants to open that door to you. Wants to care for all your needs. And he wants to give you himself. The Holy Spirit. Which is the best gift of all. God is generous. Amen, church? Our God is a how much more type of father. Our father is a generous God. Well, at this time, I would like to conclude by inviting the worship team up. And I, I just, today, I, I, uh, I just wrote invitation on my page. I don't, I didn't even know where I was going to go with this. Um, but one thing I, I think I want to do personally is I want to spend some time up here in a posture of prayer. If today you're feeling like, man, Satan, my flesh has been robbing me of the joy of being able to come to my generous father and seek him, then I just want to invite you to come up here. Maybe God is putting something on your heart that he wants you to seek him for today. And I just want to invite you to come on down. Seek him. Or you can do that in your seat right there. God is everywhere. But if you don't know him today, maybe God is calling you to seek him out and to become a disciple of Jesus and receive the benefits of being a child of God. And I just want to invite you. You can come on down or you can stay in your seat. But I'm going to come right here because there's some things that I think God is calling me to pray about. There's some people he wants me to persist in and praying for their salvation. And I just want to invite you down here with me. So as we close, I'm going to say a prayer and you can join me down here as the worship team pray, uh, plays over you. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to preach. And Father, I thank you so much that you are a generous God who hears our prayers, who knows our frame, knows we are but men, prays for us, intercedes even on our behalf. There's, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, and Jesus is praying for us. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to pray, teach us to pray. And, Father, as people come down here or sit in their seats, Lord, I pray that you would be speaking to them. And, Lord, we would receive it knowing that you really do want to speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.